And welcome back, everybody, to episode 33 of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. Back again with James. we got a lot of good topics today. We're going to break down the Sunday standings, talk about the just terrible Red Sox. And is it time for uh, alarm bells in Seattle? We'll talk about it. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. James, uh, another episode, another great week of baseball. We saw uh, your team on Sunday Night Baseball last night, which will break down towards the end of this episode. Lots of good stuff going on. We got Ronald Acuna back. That's great for baseball. And uh, some some just awesome stuff happening this week. No historical stuff like we've been doing, you know, with Miggy or Kershaw or, or all that stuff. But some interesting topics that we're going to break down. Certainly. It's been been an exciting week of baseball. Uh, we got a lot to get into. And as you mentioned, the rapid recap is officially put to bed. Uh, we have moved on uh, in the interest of the listener making a better show, replacing it with the very highly anticipated Sunday standings, <laughs> where we, we will recap standings as of Sunday. We are filming or recording on Monday, but these are the standings as of Sunday, factoring in the two makeup games that played today yeah i mean it should be good i think moving away from like the long dragged out rapid recap is probably better um but i think the sunday standings is a good way to kick it off to kind of give some context to the current state of the league before we jump into you know some of the more detailed storylines so we're just gonna hop back and forth i think this will be a lot quicker to james than our you know 20 minute rapid recap which was fun, but I don't think it's a sustainable segment. But it looks like, according to our well-kept notes, James, I am first. So let's just jump right into it. The AL West. So the AL West has been a pretty interesting division thus far, I would say. And we're going to talk about one of these teams a little more detailed later in the Mariners. But at the top of the division, you have the Los Angeles Angels at 19 and 11. They've been looking good. Trout's been looking, you know, almost back to his MVP self. Otani's been great on the mound, still struggling a little to find that power at the plate. But the rest of the lineup has been really stepping up. Taylor Ward, Marsh, Walsh, Rendon even, all these guys have been performing really well. They have the largest run differential in the AL West and second most in the American League. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. They deserve to be at the top. Uh, Houston Astros. You know, I think in any other division, at the rate that they've been winning, they would be in first place. They've won seven straight. They're eight and two in their last ten. They're eighteen and eleven on the year. They're only half game back from the Angels. It's going to be a tight race for them all season. And the team that, you know, in third place, a team that we were both kind of high on. And I don't want to go into it too much because we're going to break it down in depth later. But in third place is the Seattle Mariners at thirteen and sixteen, who are two and eight. In their last 10, they just lost a series 3-1 to to the Rays. Um, they just haven't been winning a lot of series. And if you want to make the postseason, you need to win these series. 
They're struggling so far, 13 and 16, five and a half games out of the division. They're five and 11 on the road, which is kind of interesting. They have, they're doing pretty well at home in front of the good Seattle crowd, but not the best start for Seattle. And then the two other teams, Rangers athletics, both are already kind of tumbling Rangers at 11, 16 A's at 10 and 18. I don't expect them to really stay anywhere in this division. A's are even one and nine in their last 10, but that's, that's the AL West thus far. Yeah, I mean, I think the AL West right now, it's probably pretty close to what we predicted, what we would have drawn up, you know, give or take, shuffle, you know, the Angels, Houston around, but it's kind of stacking up. We're going to get into Seattle, but as of right now, Mike Trout currently leading his team in the AL West. It's a fun division too. You know, I, I think what we've seen the Angels pitching improve so much. They have five shutouts this year already, and they, uh, they only had four all, all of last year. So lots of good things out in Anaheim. And with that, I'm going to take us over to the American League East. No surprise here, given the recent success. The Bronx Bombers, New York Yankees, on top of the division. Crazy record. They're 20-8, and eight, you know, 12-4 and four at home, just playing out of their mind. They look good. They're crushing the baseball. Chasing right behind them, the pest, the absolute pest in baseball, I would say, the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, yep. they just – they find a way. I don't understand it. They find a way to be there. They're only two and a half game back, two and a half games back of the Yankees. And behind them, you know, a team that is way, way better than third in their division. But this just speaks to the AL East, the Toronto Blue Jays. Four games back, so they're right there. They have boast a nice 17-13 and 13 record. You know, they have a split record of 7-7 seven and seven on the road, but in Rogers Center, that Toronto crowd all fired up, uh, winning a lot of games, 10-6 to six there. And then there's a huge fall off. You know, we talked about this. Uh, I don't think we expected the fourth-place team, though, which would be the Baltimore Orioles, actually in fourth in this division, eight and a half games back. They're pretty much already gone. We knew there wasn't going to be much there, but shocking story, and we'll cover this later, Last in the AL East, the Boston Red Sox with a 10 and 19 mm. record, you know, 345 winning percentage, 10 and a half games back. They are the only team in baseball or in the American League to be double digit games back. So, real slide. We'll get into that. That's the American League East. Yeah, it's, I like that last stat you threw out because the, the other teams, the Nationals and Reds, which are just like. Nobody, like everybody expected that. But the Red Sox, I mean, we're looking like fools. And I know we weren't the only ones, but a lot of people picked the Red Sox to sneak into the playoffs. And it's a long season. We're 20 games in. There's a long way to go or, you know, more than that. But there's a long way to go. But the Red Sox, we'll talk about it later. Look terrible. How about the AL Central? This is an interesting division. I the AL Central is always kind of weird. I feel like it doesn't have the the name brand teams that everybody loves to talk about. Um, it's, you know, very Midwestern. But the Minnesota Twins, you know, you talked about the Minnesota Twins before the season, you know, maybe fighting for that wild card spot or spoiling the White Sox. They're looking like they're doing more than that. The, the Minnesota Twins are 18 and 11, winning the division, 11 and 4 at home. They have a plus 25 run differential, by far the biggest in the Central. Seven and three in their last 10. And they've just got a lot of good pieces. Joe Ryan has been pitching out of his mind. He could win Rookie of the Year and AL Cy Young. Byron Buxton, I mean, 
we talked a lot about him. Correa's hurt right now, um, and they brought up uh, Royce Lewis. Yeah, Royce Lewis to take a spot, who was the number one draft pick several years ago. Um, and so th- that's great for them. So the Twins at the top of the division, right behind them is the White Sox, who actually have won six in a row. They're 14 and 13 now, three games back. Obviously, they've dealt with a lot of injury issues, and they're actually getting Joe, Joe Kelly and Mercado back today um, as they start a series with the Guardians, who are in third place. Guardians 14-14, exactly 500, three and a half games back. They, they're the only other team other than the, tw- the Twins, actually, that have a positive run differential. The White Sox don't. Um, they're 7-3 and three in the last 10. They've been on this weird streaky streak where they either get swept or sweep. Like their first seven series, they were either getting swept or swept the other team. And it was good teams, too. They swept the White Sox. Um, so who knows what, about the Guardians, but I'm actually kind of high on them right now. And then rounding out the bottom, two of the worst teams in baseball. Um, Two of only four teams that haven't won 10 games, and that's the 9-17 and 17 Kansas City Royals and the 8-19 and 19 Detroit Tigers. James, I mean, we were kind of high on the Royals, not going to lie. Especially you. You love talking about the Royals. Yeah, Pre-season. I mean, you know, I, th- I thought the Royals could have done something there. I thought maybe getting Zach Grinke back would light a fire. You know, I was wrong. Bobby Witt, really good defensive player. The bat's not really coming around as you'd like. Still hope, but, you know, the Central Division, everyone kind of knew it was going to be Chicago, Minnesota at the top. I didn't see the Guardians being, you know, in there, you know, three and a half games back. Anything could happen. But, I mean, definitely both this Detroit and Kansas City team, I actually thought they both would hit their season totals, uh, and they are not on pace. Uh, they don't look good. We'll see what happens. I mean, Miguel getting the 3,000th hit, that was like, okay, the Tiger season is over. Pack it in. He got the whole – Got the 500 home runs. He got the hits. Pack it in. It's a wrap. Nothing else really matters. Javi Baez, yeah, he got his, not that good. He got a 600 double the other day, too, which was a pretty big deal. But but I agree. The, the Tigers are weird. You know, they have a lot of these prospects. Torkelson, they're going to get Riley Green soon. And obviously, they have Javi Baez, Austin Meadows, some of these random guys, Robbie Grossman. But they just haven't been able to produce runs. They don't really have pitching. Um and, you know, that's the story. That's the reason they're last place in this division. Uh, I think going from there, we're going to take it over to the National League, my personal favorite division, home of the beloved Los Angeles Dodgers, the National League West. No surprise here on top. You know, Kings of the West won the division eight out of the nine uh, last years, except for last year where they set a franchise record for wins and lost the division. That would be the Los Angeles Dodgers on top with a 19-7 and record. Look, you're getting exactly what you thought you were going to get there. The big shockers, their pitching has been unbelievable. I mean, you knew it was going to be good, but it's been incredible. 2.07 ERA as a team. I mean, that's ridiculous. it's it's nuts stuff. Every day you're like, well, I can't get better than yesterday's start. And then, you know, hold my beer, they get it done. But little bit of a surprise, right behind the Dodgers, a game and a half back, you have the San Diego Padres without Tatis. Huge story. They're having success without arguably the best player in baseball, certainly one of the best. So, you know, they've got a nice 19-10 record. They've looked really solid. Um, and then kind of another shock, and again, we talked about this division a bit last episode, way more competitive than you'd think you have in third place, Colorado, Four games back. In fourth place, San Francisco, four games back. 
And the Diamondbacks, who we thought would be nothing and started with a 29 scoreless inning streak to open the year, five and a half games back. I mean, you know, you could say the numbers would say it's anyone's division. We know it's probably not law of averages, but it's been really competitive baseball. You know, every single team is over 500. It is the only division of baseball where every team is over 500. So really tight stuff, really fun division to watch right now. Yeah, the NOS, dude, you know, it was in that, uh, our preacher reach. I said it was the most interesting division in baseball. Um, it, it is pretty crazy. You know, the Dodgers, you know, that two ERA stat is, is ridiculous. It's, I think the next is at 2.6. Um, and the Padres, I mean, Manny Machado has been unbelievable, really. And Eric Hosmer has been great, too. Putting that, Having them at 19 and 10 without, you know, arguably one of the best, not even arguably one of the best players is huge. Gotta love the Rockies. I mean, why not? Chris Bryant, CJ Crone, nobody believes in them. I hope they keep winning. Connor Joe. Back out of nowhere. I love Connor Joe. Awesome story. <laughs> How about my favorite division? Because my team's in at the St. Louis Cardinals. The NL Central, um, as we predicted, as everybody who knew anything about baseball predicted, this is a two-horse race. Um, you have the Brewers in first place at 19-10. and 10. Really, really good. The Brewers, the pitching is there. They have the highest strikeout rate in all of baseball at 10.6Ks per nine. Um, you, we know about their their rotation and even getting Eric Lauer added to that rotation. They've been looking really good, especially at home, 10 and four at home. They have a plus 36 run differential, which is only less than the Dodgers. They're just looking really good and two and a half games behind that. Also, I think looking pretty good is the St. Louis Cardinals at 16 and 12. Um, they are five and five in the last 10. They just split a series in San Francisco, which to me is a positive result for sure. Um, don't, one of the only ones they lost was on Buster Posey Day. Like, how could they have possibly won that game despite them scoring like nine runs? Um, and behind them, it's just a huge drop off. You have the Pirates, the Cubs, and the Reds. We, you know, we've talked about how bad the Reds are at 5-23, and 23, but the Pirates and Cubs, I mean, the Pirates are in third place at 11-16. The Cubs haven't even won 10 games yet. Um, so we, talk, we saw the Cubs on Sunday Night Baseball. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about them later. But all three of those teams are just bad. They're all bad. Um, there's no other way around it. Key Brian Hayes looks good. Say Suzuki's been pretty good. Not much else. Although the Reds did win two out of their last three against Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, yes, they did finally get their first series win of the year versus one of the other god-awful teams in baseball. Real suck fest going on. It was great in Cincinnati, though. They shot off fireworks, big graphic, first win. Phil Castellini all happy about it. It's a ridiculous franchise. Sell the team, Bob. Sell it. But, you know, the one thing I did want to say, just on Milwaukee real quick, they that bullpen, or not even the bullpen, the starting rotation, you knew was elite. Start of the year real rough. We wondered what happened. Did they forget the pitch? They're coming right back to life. Christian Yelich looking like 2019 Yelich. And Willie Adamas out of left field, just offensive juggernaut. So really fun stuff in the central between those two top horses. Yeah, I, and real quick, like I like what you said about Christian Yelich because I was going to bring him up. Um, I, I don't know when, but I had notes about him. He has been really good. Um, you know, obviously he's had his struggles and he's not back to like insane numbers, but he has a slugging percent. He's a, his OPS is back at seven to 75, which is better than it was the past two years. It's not, you know, when he won MVP, it was at 1.1, but 
And I like seeing Christian Yelich back. With how bad just offensive numbers have been, his OPS plus adjusted to MLB average, it's gonna. He's actually sitting pretty good. That seven fifty six in most years is much closer to nine hundred type number. Yeah. So, yeah, the OPS plus one twenty three, so he's twenty three percent better than the league average. Yeah, so you know you love to see him. Game is just better when Yelich is cooking. Um, fun stuff in the Central, and then to round it out, I'm gonna send us to the National League East. Um, you know, I wouldn't say there's too many shockers here, but the Mets have been out of their mind. We've known it. We've talked about it. They are leading the division with a hearty 20 and 10 record. You know, the pitching, you knew it was going to be incredible, but it is better than you could have thought without the Grom. Offense is getting there. The Braves, they were sluggish early on. We're going to talk about why they bounced back. Robert Acuna, I mean, that's the answer. We're going to cover it. They're in second place, six games back, though. And tied with them is the Miami Marlins, also six games back. Keep in mind, both those teams are sub-500. Uh, 14 and 16 record for Atlanta, 13 and 15 for Miami. Then you've got Philly right there, seven games back in that four spot. And then the Nationals. I mean, they're 10 games back. They did eclipse the 10 win mark with a 10 and 20 record, but just not a lot going on there. It's all Mets in this division for now. Yeah, the East is interesting because I, I really am worried for a lot of these other teams that we, you know, we like the Braves, the Phillies, and even the Marlins we were kind of high on. I'd be worried that these teams aren't going to make the playoffs because, um, you, you know, you have three wild card spots. I think you got to give one to the NL Central second place team just because they're going to beat up on those other three. So that's one spot there and you have two left. And every team in the NL West is above 500. And there's only one team in the NL East that's above 500. So it maybe it's because, you know, a lot of those teams in the NL East are good. I mean, the Braves, Mets, Phillies, they're all solid teams that they're all playing each other all the time. But I think there should be some cause for concern, especially I think if you're a Phillies fan, because I think the Braves would snag the spot over them. But yeah, you got to be worried. The Braves' recent trajectory gives you a lot of hope that, you know, with Ronald back, they're going to put some things in motion. But, yeah, I mean, right now, I'd say revisit. I'm 100% with you, the second horse in the Central. And then it looks like the Padres and Giants probably snag both spots. There's not yeah. an uptick for these teams. And the Braves only won 88 games last year. So, you know, they weren't some juggernaut in the regular season last year, and they won the World Series. So, you know, it's it's hard to really make bold predictions about the future this early, but – it's it's interesting how things are shaking up in the NL East. I kind of think it reminds me of last year's NL East a little bit. The Mets were good at the beginning. Other teams were hovering around 500. And then, you know, towards the latter half, the Mets fell off. I don't think that'll happen this year, but it's, yeah. it's interesting. I mean, and of course, this is a way too early thing, but this is just state of the league week by week. It's the Sunday standings, but we'll see. That is the standings. That's the state of baseball. And now I think, now that we're in the NL East, let's just segue right over to why the Braves are bouncing back. They looked questionable early. And that is the man, one of the studs in baseball, awesome guy. Weird shot at Freddie Freeman earlier this year, but that's Ronald Acuna. He's back. He is back. He is back. And he's been looking good so far, too. You know, it was a good story. They called him, like, late at night and were like, you want to play center field tonight or maybe it was I forget where he played in his first game but I think it was center field maybe it was right but they were like you want to play and he started crying and like it's it's been great he's hit two home runs already he's been looking good he's been looking good 
Um, he's only played nine or 10 games so far, but he's batting 278, which is about on par with how he's performed the past couple seasons. He's got a slugging percentage at 500 and an OPS at 866. So these are good offensive numbers. Um, 36 at bats, 10 hits, two doubles, two home runs. Um, he, he, he does have 15 Ks, but he strikes out a lot. What can you do? It's just great to have one of the best young players in all of baseball and my preseason NL MVP pick back playing. Also, also the K rate. He hasn't seen real competitive pitching for a year and a half. I mean, you know, it's one thing he came up through, you know, that his little rehab start and they're pitching 84. He's going to crush that, you know, and it's one thing to take BP from the boys and Max Fried, but it's like, no, when it's game, it's whole different. He's still crushing it. And outside of just the offense, he's an electricity guy. So for that Braves, the dugout, just having him back there, you know, gets the fans going, gets the team going. I love that Braves dugout, by the way. I don't know. You see, they're always nonsense galore in that dugout, having a fun time. And it's only going to get more fun with Ronald back. Yeah, I mean, I think the point you made about him not seeing pitches for a while is good. And it's also not like... Like, he, he strikes out a lot. His K rate's high because he hasn't seen that pitching, but he's still putting up good offensive numbers. It's a short sample size, but, you know, it seems like he hasn't really missed too much of a step. And after only 10 games, like, imagine where he is after 30 games or 40 games or 50 games. I, I think Braves fans should obviously be very excited to have him back, have him back in that leadoff spot. I think, I mean, this is this is great news for the Braves and great news for baseball. I think the Braves have a lot of upside now with Acuna back in the lineup. Yeah, and you can see that the team's turned it around, the record's improving. So, you know, big piece there, great for baseball. You love to see that. Now, I think on the flip side of that, talking about a team that's on the up and up and improving, there are some teams sliding and sliding pretty hard. We hinted at it earlier. I mean, Max, what's going on with the Red Sox? I made the mistake. I took them to win the AL East. I said that plus 2,200 World Series odds was a great sleeper bet. And I look <laughs> like an idiot. I mean, I'm biggest idiot in the room. I mean, what is going on with this team? They're terrible. They cannot win. I mean, I don't like it much either. I, I picked them in our AL East preview. I picked them, but I, I did end up going back on that. I mean, look, this team just is really missing everything, right? They've They've got... They've got Xander, who's really playing incredible at a top, top level in baseball, batting 343, nearly as a 400 on base percentage. Um, and Endeavors is giving you maybe what you're expecting. But the rest of the lineup, there's just nothing there. This team hits no home runs. Devers is leading the team with only four. It's just this team doesn't really have a lot going for them. And now with Chris Sale... Um, once again, get uh, facing a setback. Eovaldi's been okay. It's just they don't really have the pitching. They don't really have the hitting. And this team is drastically underperforming. And I'm worried that, you know, I think the Red Sox, this might be the new trend for them. I think they're going to lose Xander and maybe even Devers this offseason. And this, this run that they quote-unquote had, you know, making the ALCS last year, I, I just think it's come to an end. Look, Kike Hernandez is batting under 200. Trevor Story is batting under 200. The guy they just spent so much money to get. Alex Verdugo is barely cracking 200. They have the their bottom three in their lineup has the worst OPS in all of baseball. They've only won one series all year, and it was their second series against the Tigers, who are one of the only teams worse than them. 
ever since that, it's just they've lost everything. Well, even the games where they put it together and the pitching is there and the offense comes together, they get to like the eighth inning and collapse and they lose them. Like even when they finally put all the pieces together and you think you're safe, they blow it. They're blowing games, you know, two and eight in the last 10. As you mentioned, the offense is just god awful. You got the third worst batting average in baseball, third fewest home runs. There's just, there's nothing there. You know, the defense has been making errors. The offense isn't there. The pitching's been subpar. Every element of the game of baseball, they are doing bad at, and it's coming through in the record. It's coming through. They're just, they're not a good team right now. And it's weird because on paper, they should be at least a top 10, maybe at least top 15, but probably a top 10 club. No, yeah. I, I mean, I agree. You look at them on paper, they have Xander Bogarts, they have Rafael Devers, they have Kike Hernandez, they have Trevor Story. Like, they've got a good lineup. And Nathan Neovaldi, who was great last year, can't seem to do anything. J.D. Martinez has, you know, actually been probably the best hitter on this team. He's got a 518 slugging. Uh, he's, only Bogarts has a higher OPS. But it just seems like even though you have these great players, like, like I've said them over and over, Xander and JD, the rest of the team, they just can't seem to hit anything. Even Bobby Dahlbeck, who was really good last year and, you know, a pretty critical piece in their ALCS run, Huge. he's batting 139. His OPS is 440. <laughs> I mean, he's literally is a lower OPS than some of his teammates slugging. Um, you know, what I, what I wonder with Trevor's story, Max, how much – of the, the, do you think Trevor Story was just a Coors Field kid, or like what? You know what I mean? Like what? No, I know what you mean. He goes I, to the I East Coast. He can't hit. I don't like to think so because I mean, the the Coors effect is obviously real, and I, I was I saw it by looking at these stats today because the Rockies have the highest um, OPS in all of baseball because they play at Coors all day. But if you look at OPS plus, which is adjusted in terms of ballpark and all these things, they're they're not there. They're, they're, um, I can do it real quick and look. The Rockies fall all the way to just above the league average. Um, so around the 16 or 17 spot. So the like 11th best in baseball. But Trevor Story is a guy who the, these past couple of years, he's, he's a two-time All-Star. He even came in the top 10 in MVP voting once. His his OPS has always been above 800, and even crossing 900 in in two of his Silver Slugger years. I mean, it's just not looking good. It's not looking good. A 194 batting average, a 269 slugging percentage. He's striking. He struck out 35 times already. I think the Red Sox should be really concerned. I mean, I'll, I'll throw back to you. Like, does this team have any chance? Like, like. Could could we see them pick it up, Kike, Trevor Story, start hitting home runs and, and make a run again? Because they weren't great at the beginning of last year, and they made a surprise. Is that possible? I, I'm going to say no, and I'm saying no partially because how bad they've been in every facet of the game. But look at the division. I mean, you have New York yeah. Yankees playing out of their mind, and eventually you think they come back to earth, but they still look really, really good. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Rays are like the opposite of the Red Sox. They're not flashy, but damn it, they win games. They know how to stay there. And then you have Toronto, who's the best team, in my opinion, in the division, in the three spot. The Red Sox, they're ten and a half games back. 
I'm not sure they can close 10 games in this division all year, even though there's still 120 games to play. I don't think they can close that. Yeah, I think their main priority should be catching the Orioles first. I mean, when you're, <laughs> yes. you're, I mean, think about it. The Orioles, like, who do they have? Like, who's on the Orioles? They don't even have their ace. They just have like Cedric Mullen. They, and that's it's it. it's the Cedric Mullen show. I mean, Ryan right, Mountcastle, but like, because we lost how they lost me. They, their pitcher means their ace. The, I mean, they don't spend any money. They have no players, and the Red Sox are a team with several guys who are perennially all stars. Bogarts, Devers, Trevor Story, who they just paid a massive contract. Yeah, man. Even, I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. was once good, but I just don't think, I mean, this team is, it's shocking how bad they are. And their their game the other day um, against the White Sox in their last series, they got swept. They lost in extras. I think they were, I might get this wrong, but I think they were up 4-2 going into the ninth and lost like 10-4 in extras. Or something ridiculous. I mean, and that's There's, just it. When they put it together, they still lose those games. I mean, and you look at the teams, 10 games back, the teams that are underperforming at their level or, or as unsuccessful as them are teams that are trying to lose. It's Cincinnati. It's Oakland. It's like Detroit. It's teams that we knew, they knew, everyone knew they wouldn't be good. I don't think anyone saw the Red Sox just being brutally awful. Yeah, I, I think like so they're ten and nineteen, the comparative record. So we have the Tigers at eight and nineteen. Like we talked about them. They don't really have anybody. They're in last place in the central. The Oakland A's are ten and eighteen. They sold everybody. They don't even have like a, they don't even they, have they fans. Feel... They average twenty five hundred fans a game. <laughs> I mean they they don't have people in the stadium. They don't have hot dog vendors. And how about so the in the Cubs are nine and eighteen compared to ten and eighteen? Like that's another team where like who do they have? Say a Suzuki. So it's just like a team. It's not like the Red Sox don't have any players and they're losing, and it's just because they're the Red Sox, they're a big name. It's no, this is a team that was in the ALCS last year. They've got a lot of great pieces. They they're hoping to get Chris Sale back, and it's not just that they're underperforming. Like they're a couple games below five hundred. They have half as many wins as they do losses. I just think this team's in, in, in big trouble moving forward. I hope I'm wrong, but that's just the way it's looking. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. You know, I think with that, there's not too much to say until the Red Sox give us something else to talk about. The last thing I'd add is like, you look at San Francisco, the Red Sox have a better offense on paper than San Francisco. Sure, the pitching, San Francisco's got that by a billion, but it's like yeah. comparatively – should be a really solid offensive line. The expectations last year were like nothing. They go to the ALCS. You get a lot more expectations, and now the club's nothing. I say we leave it at that. But, yeah. Max, there's another team that's sliding, maybe not as good, but in my opinion, I thought they would be better than the Red Sox, which they are, but they're alarming me a little bit, and that's my second beloved, my second child, stepchild, if you will, the Seattle Mariners, very electric team, but not getting it done in the win column. Yeah, I think this this is similar to the Red Sox. I, I, I mean, not similar in how bad they're doing, but similar in that we both were high on them. And they've started the season slow. I, I You know, and the, a question I have for you that I'll get to later is whether it's actually time to sound the alarm bells here. Um, and I have my answer. But right now, you know, they're, they're sitting at 12 and 16. 
they're just mediocre. If you look at their team stats across the board, their pitching's mediocre, their hitting's mediocre, their fielding's mediocre. The thing is, so look, this is a team that won 90 games last year, was fighting for a playoff spot down to the very end. We know the Mariners haven't been in the postseason forever. They made a bunch of signings. They got the reigning AL Cy Young, Robbie Ray. They got Adam Frazier, who was great. They made the big trade with the Reds to get Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. And all those guys, I will say, except maybe Adam Frazier, who hasn't been great, they're underperforming. Just Eugenio Suarez, for example, who actually leads the team in home runs with six, he's batting 204. He's got a 305 on base percentage, which is, is not very good. And Jesse Winker is batting sub 200 right now with an OPS under 600. You really just have Ty France, who won, I, I forget if it was player of the month or just a player of the week. I think it was just a player of the, player week. Of the week. But out of his mind. He's out of his yeah. mind. And, and J.P. Crawford, who, who you know is super cool, really good player. He's, he's playing really well. Um, but Logan Gilbert, he's one of the players that, you know, the pitcher, he's been really good. He was leading the, all of the majors in ERA for a while. Robbie Ray hasn't been his Cy Young self. Um, and I know I'm just kind of naming players, but Julio Rodriguez as well. Um, I don't think I'll, I'll just answer it real quick and I'll throw it to you. I don't think it's time to sound the alarm bells. Their, their, their past couple series have been bad. They lost 3-1 to the Rays. They were swept by the Astros. They lost 2-1 to the Marlins, 2-1 to the Rays. I don't think it's time to sound alarm bells. They're three games under 500. The only thing I'd be concerned about is how well the Astros and Angels are doing, which would make it very hard for the Mariners, not to mention that the AL East is so good that they're going to take some wild card spots too. Yeah, you know, I'm right there with you that it's not time to sound the alarm. It's a long season, and it hasn't been the dysfunction we're seeing in Boston. You know, they very clearly can win games. Those series you went through, you know, all pretty good teams, Marlins being the worst of the bunch, but still a pretty good team. I mean, you know, certainly not a free win. You have Kyle Lewis coming back, which not a crazy improvement on offense, but good for the team, good for the big Seattle guy. Um I'm not worried to sound the alarm yet. I think that there's still time for them to come around. I also believe that the Angels are going to take regression. I know we have different opinions there. We'll see. You know, Houston's Houston. Not time to sound the alarm yet. In two more months, if they're at this point, I think it's a lot more questionable. But Seattle's going to have to pick it up. You know, we're going to need Robbie Ray. If he can get back to that Cy Young level, that's going to be critical. And we knew that was going to be a question mark because really Robbie Ray was pretty average, maybe a little bit better than average pitcher. Last year's insane, incredible pitcher. And then Seattle took the risk. That's what happens. Gave him a big contract. We'll see if it plays out. Um, the question I have for you, Max, do you think that Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker are so loyal to the Cincinnati fans that they see how bad the Reds are doing, and they're just channeling that spirit. They're like, I can't possibly kick these fans while they're down and go and be successful and go win games. Like, are they just that big of Cincy fan guys that they're like, we're going to suck because we are Reds, and that's what the Reds do. We suck. We want to make it look like the Reds made a good trade and got rid of us because we're really actually super bad. Uh, I mean, no. I Like, I, I think I like Jesse Winker. I think – I think he's really good, especially, I mean, obviously last year he had an incredible season, but I just think he's a, he's a great bat to have. He's just been, he's just been really struggling. 
He's been really struggling. He only has one home run all year. And like last year he had, didn't he have like multiple three home run games? I or think something? he had three or four, three home run games. I mean, he was clubbing last year. There's just a lot of players that if you're familiar with the Mariners lineup, aren't, aren't producing Mitch Hanniger, who was a hero towards the end of the last year, isn't producing Jared Kalenic, who, you know, has had his issues in the past. He's performing really bad. The good thing is, J.P. Crawford and Ty France, who maybe aren't, you know, weren't the best players on this team coming in, are playing exceptionally well. And same with Logan Gilbert on the mound. Now, so you, you have to be happy with that. I'm going to push back on that just because I do believe J.P. Crawford was the best player on this team going into the season. I mean, I think he's legitimately could be, I don't think he wins an MVP, but the caliber he's playing, I think he maybe gets a straggler of a vote or two. But Every single year, he consistently has gotten better. I expected the trend. I like where they're at. I think the good news for Seattle is they have a lot of talent underperforming. And if those bats catch up, you know, they can do something. But they have guys that are still bringing it to kind of keep keep them in the conversation, whereas the Red Sox are, like, firing on zero cylinders. So Mariners got a lot of money on you, going to need you to turn it around. You know, I still believe – Still believe Julio Rodriguez is the truth. Ever since the umpire stopped hating him, he's picking it up a little bit. Um, but that's the Mariners. You know, we'll see where they are. I'm sure it's a conversation we'll we'll revisit. Um, definitely, definitely. I think with that, here's, here's another yeah. conversation to revisit. And we talked about this. I think it was two or three weeks ago. Now at this point, and this was the San Francisco Giants. Always Gabe Kepler perennially getting yelled at and bitched out for trying to win baseball games and not trying to lose baseball because that's what they want. The Nationals were whining because they <laughs> did not try to lose the baseball game. Like that's what they were like, stop hitting and throw us meatballs. Like you have to let us win. And then Gabe Kepler was like, no, I don't. I'm manager of the year. We're going to win. So the Nationals, I'm referencing when they freaked out because they were, I don't can't remember if it was a bunt or they, it was a hit and run play that they ran up six runs. And they're like, oh my gosh, six runs is insurmountable. Never in the history of baseball can a team come back from 6-1. Like this was an egregious act. But then the New York Mets came in and said, hold my beer, Washington. We need to educate you a little bit. And what I'm talking about is one of the best comebacks I've watched just in my time watching baseball. And that was the New York Mets were playing the Phillies. They were down seven to one going into the ninth inning. I mean, all hope was lost, you, you know, nothing. They put up seven runs to take an eight to seven lead and win the game. Three outs. They got seven runs and won the game, proving that Gabe Kepler is in the right and you actually can score six runs in an inning. And maybe the Phillies shouldn't have given up. I don't think they gave up. They were still trying to play. But it's just a testament. I mean, Max, how do you think this factors into that whole San Francisco conversation? I, I mean, I think it's an interesting point to bring up because we talked about how ridiculous Davey Martinez was being and saying, like, you can't bunt or whatever, whatever the issue was there. And some unwritten rule of baseball for a team that was up seven rounds or something. This just show, goes to show that the game is never over. But from a Phillies perspective, this is just devastating. I mean, you're playing a division rival at home, one of the best teams in all of baseball. And, you know, the whole game's a party for you. Uh, you score four runs in the first inning, another in the second, two more in the fourth. You're up 7-0. 
the the Mets get one in the sixth, and you're just chilling seven one three outs away. Everybody's having a good time. You're about to beat the Mets, and just boom, they lay it on you. Lindor, it's a two run shot. Mark Canna scores. Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil and JD Davis doubles and Brandon Nemo singles and Marte doubles. It's just you know. And then what what was funny is the next two games got rained out, so the Phillies just had to like live with it and just sleep on it over and over. Just terrible. Well, what was impressive to me about the comeback, there was only the Lindor home run, but they got it done with just great base hitting, just great contact plays. I mean, they hit some hard-hit balls, definitely some shots to the wall. Starling Marte missed a home run by three feet. But mm-hmm. it wasn't a home run party. It was just a next man up, keep getting base hit. I mean, it it was an incredible rally, and that's why, to me, baseball is the best. There's no clock. There's 27 outs. Until you get the 27th batter out, you can't go home. They started the party too early. It, it, incredible stuff from the Mets. And, I mean, this is a Mets team we've been raving about all year. But just even one more thing. It's like how they're all that focused, locked in, three out, seven runs, no sweat, get it done. I mean, incredible comeback. And if you're Phillies, like you said, that is – if you're at that game and you're a Phillies, and that is brutal. I mean, you had them in a guillotine for eight innings. And then they just turned around and bitch slapped you and walked off. Is he- and think about the bottom of the ninth. So the, so the Mets score seven in the top of the ninth to make it eight, seven. It goes to the bottom of the ninth. It's only a one run game. Like it's, they still have a chance, but it's got to feel like you're down by like 10 and they go one, two, three, two K's. Uh, it's just. Collapse. I mean, it, it's it collapse. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. But how about, I mean, James, how about we move on to our Sunday staples, um, spicy and dicey. And then. You know, we, we can preview this, too. We're, we're mixing up the Sunday Night Baseball. People are used to, um, if people make it this far on the podcast, doing our preview uh, and then coming back to the podcast afterwards. We're going to mix it up now. We're going to do a review on this Monday episode. So we're going to we're recording this post game. We're going to review last night's Dodgers Cubs Sunday Night Baseball. And then in our Wednesday or Thursday episode, we will be previewing uh, Giants Cardinals next week um, but spicy or dicey spicy and dicey James one team that we're high on one team we're low on not necessarily the best and worst teams in baseball but who's hot who's down um, give me your hot team give me your spicy team who do you like well I'd say there's one team that stands out to me as a team that probably has to be mentioned but it would be against everything I believe in and the foundations I've built a life on to mention them as a successful, good club and organization. So I will not be doing that. Uh, if you want to bring them up, you can, but I don't care. Uh, but that being said, though, the team that I've been like, okay, wow, you knew they were serious. And there's a couple other directions I could have gone, but I'm giving it to the Minnesota Twins. You know, mm. they're seven and three in their last 10. They got a little three game winning streak, you know, nothing to write home about. But it's just the way they're getting it done. I mean, they they keep they keep walking off games. They keep crushing baseballs. It, we thought it was going to be like Byron Buxton, Carlos Cray show. Carlos Cray is not even playing. He's hurt. And this team is just – they have the division lead. They keep trucking away. And every week I'm waiting for them to kind of slip back and fall into maybe that second front runner spot. And they're not ready for it. So the Twins, they've been really impressive to me. You know, it's someone else every day. Just stepping up, getting it done. Uh, incredible stuff from Minnesota. So I, I think, you know, the White Sox are heating up. They could have been here 
but Minnesota could realistically win the Central. I've got one for you that that I think might surprise you. This isn't one of the better teams in baseball, um, but it's a team that if you look at the advanced metrics on this team, they really are in favor of them, and that's staying in the AL Central. That's the Cleveland Guardians. Um, so uh, the Cleveland Guardians would be my second team. They're my favorite team in the American League. I live in Cleveland. I could crawl to the ballpark right now if I wanted to. But they're 14 and 14, and I've talked about them getting swept or them sweeping. But if you look at the advanced metrics on their hitting, and not even all these are advanced, but in, from a batting standpoint, they're first in batting average, third in runs scored, fourth in on-base percentage, sixth in slugging percentage, fifth in WRC+, plus, which, which is um, basically an all-encompassing hitting performance. It stands for weighted runs created plus, which basically puts a weighted value on each outcome for a hitter as it results in run creation. So it's, it's a very kind of like baseball stat. It's an out there stat. It's an, it's an advanced metric. But they're fifth in WRC plus, they're first in contact rate and second in uh, strikeout rate. So they have the second lowest strikeout rate in baseball. Um, Jose Ramirez leads all of um, uh, leads the American League. He might lead all of baseball in um, RBIs. Stephen Kwan, obviously, Miles Straw in the leadoff spot. Owen Miller has been incredible. Uh, Jimenez has been great at second, and as they've moved him around, and having Josh Naylor back is great as well. The biggest problem with the the Guardians right now is their pitching. Um, Bieber's had some tough starts. He's been getting hit on a lot, and the rest of their lineup's been here or there. They don't have a lot of big names, but look, they just won. They just won a four-game series against the Blue Jays, three to one. They split a two-game set against the Padres, um, and before that, they took care of business in Oakland as they should. Before that, they they lost the Angels, but I, I I think this team is progressing in the right direction. I think if if any team was to make a run in in any division, I'd pick the Central, the AL Central, to make a run in. I think they're poised to make a run, and we'll see. I mean, they're they're getting the the at bats and the, the the metrics that they want from the home from home plate. They just got to stop uh, allowing runs to score, and you know who knows what can happen with this team. We've seen the, the 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 Indians make runs in the past in sixteen and seventeen. Who knows what can happen with this team? Now, I was gonna say I'm glad you brought it up because you saved me, giving you a little mini crucifixion. You're listing all the batting stats. I got crickets on the pitching side of thing. Nothing going on on the mound in Cleveland. But there's good news. Their cross-state counterpart, Cincinnati, has a good pitcher coming off IR, Luis Castillo. He's a successful guy. And if I know anything about Bob and Phil Castellini and the ownership group, they hate successful players in Cincinnati. <laughs> I'm looking for Castillo to get traded. I believe he'll be a Yankee. But maybe the Guardians come in, scoop him up get a couple of serviceable pitchers could be right on their way to something. You never know. You never I, know. I do like the angle, you know, maybe not looking at just like the wins, but the metrics and they have been a surprising story. I mean, they're, they're in the third spot in the division, but they're very much there. I mean, what did we say? Four games back? Three and a half games back. And the White Sox are three games back right above them. And they start a series tonight, actually, with the White Sox in Chicago. So they they could take that lead and be right there. Um, with that said, I think a couple honorable mentions. As you said, the White Sox are on a six-game win streak. You know, injuries are kind of bouncing back from that a little bit. 
There's another team on a seven-game win streak. They're eight and two over the last ten. They're a half game back in their division. Max, if you choose to name them, that would be helpful because I don't want to. <laughs> the trash can team. It would be the trash can asterisks. Uh, you know, don't forgive, don't forget. Not yet. Uh, it's always too soon. But they're also very successful. Had to get those as honorable mentions. But Max, who is your Who's your dicey team? I mean, a lot of options to choose from. I think we already agreed that we'll take uh, Boston and Seattle off the board because we did a deep dive into the shortcomings in those organizations. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take the Cincinnati Reds. No, I'm kidding. We, <laughs> Perennially dicey. <laughs> we've overdone that. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of teams you can choose from. Definitely not going to do the Red Sox or Mariners. There's no point in really talking about, like, the Royals, Tigers, A's, Nationals, like, all those teams are bad. We knew they were going to be bad. But this is a team that – I'm going to pick a team that, you know, we didn't think would be good. But I think there were some expectations that this team could be better than they are. Um, and this is a team I love saying is dicey, and that's the Chicago Cubs. Um, I, I th- it, it, They're weird right now. You know, they, they just don't have a lot going at the plate, really. They don't hit a lot of home runs. Uh, Patrick Wisdom's their home run leader at five. Seiya Suzuki, we talked about him earlier, about how he was hitting over 400. Now he's only batting 244. His his OPS is down. He's still, you know, if I could take anybody on that team, I'd obviously take him. But just looking down, this team doesn't have a lot of lot of things you're looking for. They're 9-18 and 18 right now. They're in fourth place in the Central um, I, I really just don't think that the optimism that maybe surround or the cautious optimism that maybe some people have about, had about the Cubs, which I think may, I think you even said that, you know, you were a little bit higher on the Cubs preseason. And I, I think that was a good pick. They're just they don't really have the star power. They don't really have a lot going for them And the pitching. The pitching hasn't been great by any means. Um, maybe Keegan Keegan Thompson is the only guy who's been really good for them. Kyle Hendricks uh, and Marcus Stroman both have ERAs above five. So the Cubs, not not doing it this year. Yeah, I mean, I like the pick because you knew they were going to be bad, but, I mean, they're a bottom feeder. You didn't expect that. Um, and the hope, there's just – there's not really much hope there. I guess it's already like building towards next year. You know, say Suzuki's actually pretty good. That seems to be a contract they hit on. So see what they can build around them. Right. Yeah. And, and real quick, like their last couple of series, they got swept by the Dodgers. They got swept by the White Sox. They lost two to one of the Brewers. They lost two to one of the Braves. Um, and, and this is all like all of that happened after their 21 to zero win that we talked about ever since then. It's just been all downhill for them. They got all their runs out in that game. Well, yeah, I mean, they did pad their run differential for a while there. They had like a negative run differential in almost every game, but a positive on the season because of 21 at romp. But luckily, law of averages, their run differential is negative again. Love to see it. I know that that's got you giddy in your chair. As they, uh, yeah, their run, differential, their run differential is at 20. If you take out that one game, it falls to 41. Yeah, it's... Incredible stuff there. Um, Here you go. You know, for my pick, it's a low-hanging fruit, but I do want to reference it. And that's, you know, I'm going to the Detroit Tigers because, yes, they're bad, 
we knew they weren't going to be great, but I feel like right before the season, they did that mini retool. You know, you, you get the Javi contract, they bring in Meadows. You're thinking, okay, you know, Torkelson, you're like, this team's not going to be the best team of baseball. They're outside the playoff picture looking in. But you thought with A.J. Hinch, you know, who knows, probably still cheating. The stats don't look like he is. But you thought, okay, this team could maybe make some noise. I truthfully thought the Tigers would hit their thing, and they have just been abysmally bad. I mean, in the last 10, they're 2-8. and eight. They're on a five-game losing streak. They don't have 10 wins on the year. They're under a 30% winning percentage. You know, it's just you knew they weren't going to be an elite team, but you thought maybe with some of the retool of the lineup and some of the things they were trying that, that they could at least compete and maybe steal some games here or there. And it's just they're really bad. I mean, they they there's not much to say about it. They're just unfortunately like some of those guys aren't performing. Javi Baez turns out a 36% K rate. Uh, yeah, that's not super helpful offensively. Um, and, and it's just, you know, they're, they're not as excited. I thought they'd steal some games and they're not, you know, I don't know if it's that the big hit, all the hype to get Miggy to 3000, but like since that happened, they just like don't want to play baseball. It appears they're just like losing all the time. They're not even close. Like, and you just, you kind of hate to see it, you know, especially with Miguel Cabrera, end of his career. You'd like to see him at least try and steal a couple games. Yeah, I like the pick. I mean, it is, you know, lower hanging fruit. They're not one of the better teams in baseball, but I think they're a team that the expectations were a bit higher for them and they're they're just not there. I, you know, I think with that, I guess honorable mention, I think I had it in my player watch again. But I've got to go to the MLP Umbuyers Union. Uh, I, I for, already forgot the guy's name, but again, we talked about it last episode. You can't forget the creep who was. It, I wish I remembered his name. I was reading up on him last night, but that creep who was just massaging bum and got him kicked out of the game, like waiting for the reaction, ridiculously unprofessional. So until they fire him, MLB Union on the hot seat. I mean, he's got to go. That was disgusting. Yeah. I agree. I mean, that was he did send out an apology, which he should have done. Yeah, I saw the apology, but it's like, dude, you you legitimately baited a player into getting kicked out. Like that's what that was. He was bait, like, you stared at him until he reacted, which you knew he would. It's mad bomb. Of course, he was going to react. Yeah, yeah. But that's um, old news, you know. For some new news, we do have kind of the new format of Sunday Night Baseball, as we said. Recording on Monday, we're going to give a recap of the game last night. My favorite Sunday night baseball game of the year. Extreme bias. That's because you had the Dodgers playing the Cubs. And, uh, I mean, fun game for Dodgers fans. Cubs fans, I mean, I guess it was fun. They got to see good baseball in front of them, just not from their team. Yeah, it was an interesting game. Um, You know, I I personally, I, I thought it was kind of boring. You know, the Dodgers, I mean, look, the Cubs were just my dicey team. I I don't think they're very good. And the Dodgers are clearly the best team in baseball. Maybe not clearly, but um, it was fun to see Walker Buehler. It was Walker Buehler's 100th start. um, And he lived up to it. Seven innings pitched, four hits, one run, six Ks, which is low for him. But the reason I say it was boring is there were no home runs. There There was one double each. For each team the rest of the the Dodgers runs their seven runs it was like a bunch of sacrifice flies I think Mookie scored on a wild pitch it was just 
they got the hits, they manufactured the runs, and they won. You know, as a Dodgers fan, you like to see that because you know they can win with power, but run manufacturing is important. But I do like what you keyed in on. There was two runs scored on errors. I mean, you knew the Cubs were bad, but it was also a sloppy game. Um, you know, the Dodgers just took care of business. But since you brought it up, I will say Walker Bueller, through his 100 starts, he has given us one of the best starts to a pitching career in MLB. His numbers over that 100 are ridiculous. I hope it's sustainable. Great kid, Lexington, Kentucky, eight five nine. You know, gotta love Walker Butane. Love what he's doing up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the game. Look, it went exactly how you would have thought. It should have been a lot more entertaining. Um, but yeah, Dodgers got it done. Uh, not too much else to be said there. I know they're happy. Get out of Wrigley. Get away from that rain. It's so weird as a Dodgers fan when they get rained out and games delayed because it doesn't happen in LA. Like if it rains, like. They're happy to cancel the game. You know, they finally have water again. Everyone's going nuts. But, like, they they only get at home. Like, every 700th game gets rained out. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, look, it was it was a Dodgers-Cubs game in Wrigley on Sunday Night Baseball. It was enjoyable. You got a big pitching matchup, um, at least on one end. Justin Steele isn't, isn't um, you know, he's only 26 years old. But it was nice to see Bueller um, do his thing. And the Dodgers, I mean – they completed the sweep. They they keep their impressive run going early in the year, and I don't expect them to stop. No, neither do I. And uh, Marcus Lindbeth's got to love the hitting streak. He's on little ten game hitting streak. You know, coming He's alive. Also, actually, huge thing to talk about. Completely can't believe this slipped my mind. What is wrong with Wilson Contreras? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. The little drive by nut grab on Max Muncie. One of the more ridiculous <laughs> things. Uh, kind of pitch came in yeah it, I wouldn't even say got crossed up but maybe got crossed up a little bit it bounced off the side of his foot it's going wide you know it looks like I think he was trying to like use Max Muncy's thigh as kind of like a leverage like swing around to get more momentum but it ended up with just in the middle of an MLB game Wilson Contreras just grabbed a nice full squeeze of Max Muncy's package interesting look you know got to take him to yeah. dinner first yeah, I, I tweeted something about it, um, and I it got a lot of people commenting back, some pretty funny stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's like that seems like it should be a, a flagrant or, or a flag or something, but I guess we don't have anything like that. He just totally grabbed his nuts. Like, why did he do that? Yeah, it's not quite, you know, it's not a suspension. I think it's like a take first. It's like a bulk, like, you know, catcher interference. It's catcher interference <laughs> yeah. take first. That's the ruling. you got to give him catcher interference take first. I mean, he did a drive-by nut grab. It was uncalled for. Um, there should probably be an apology issued there. It's really not that big of a deal. It was just a very weird play to watch. And you're like, oh, well. And you imagine being Max Muncy. You're like, well that pitch sucked and I couldn't hit it. That sucks. And as you're like, I wish I got better pitching. And then you just get your nuts grabbed. You're just like, Oh, th this at bat could not go worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that, that was Sunday night baseball. And that kind of concludes our new little Sunday, Monday show, you know, let us know what you think of, of the restructure. Do you like the Sunday standings? Do you like the transition on Sunday night baseball? Get active, get on our Twitter rounding third. Now that is rounding three RD now always got highlights there always trying to get some discussions going you know follow the show and uh get ready because we have more great content coming and uh it's gonna be a fun season a lot of stuff to cover yeah definitely talk to you guys later